Take your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 4, and let's stand together, shall we? Philippians chapter 4. Verse 12. I know both how to be abased and how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. By the way, you'll have both of those times in the ministry. We've had days in our ministry, I know Dr. Getch has as well, where we were not sure where the next meal would come from. When we came to Lancaster to begin this ministry, we had days when we were abased. I remember the day when we realized we had no money left. My wife said we have no food for the children tomorrow. We were not on support. We were living in a small little apartment, so small we couldn't set up our bedroom furniture. I'll never forget that next morning, Brother Rick Halk knocked on my door at 7.30 in the morning, and he said, our church last night took an offering for you and your family, and for some reason the Lord put on our hearts to drive up here through the night to bring you this food. I'll never forget that day as long as I live. I know Dr. Getch had times when he lived in his car during his evangelistic beginning point. So sometimes in ministry, if you're going to be greatly used of God, you'll be abased. Sometimes you'll abound. You'll just say, wow, look at this meal. Wow, God has certainly provided. And Paul said, I've learned how to be in both situations. But then verse 13, which is our text this morning, he says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now this morning, I want to be an encouragement to you from this text and I think it's one of your favorite texts. It's one of mine. And so let's read it together, shall we? Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. Ready, begin. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Let's pray together. Lord, for those just coming to college, for those that are on the downward stretch and getting ready to graduate, Lord, we just pray that wherever these students are in their journey, that today they would be encouraged that they can do all things through Christ and Lord, that they would experience this as my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Few men understood the challenges of ministry as did the Apostle Paul. When you read his life story, you read of a man who was beaten with rods, he was imprisoned, he was stoned, he was snake bitten, he was shipwrecked. Sometimes I hear people say, you want to take a missions trip? And they're thinking about souvenirs and cultures and, and activities. I don't know that any of us would have wanted to take a missions trip with the Apostle Paul. Here was a man who knew what it meant to face adversity for the Lord Jesus Christ. Even as he writes the book of Philippians, he is with the Praetorian Guard in Rome. He is under house arrest. He is writing this prison epistle, challenging the Philippian church to be joyous while he is in jail. He is saying, I can do all things through Christ 
which strengtheneth me. And it is in this short verse that we can this morning learn much about the Christian faith. We can learn what it really means to have Christ living through us. And I want you to notice just a few simple thoughts, and yet I think profound thoughts from Philippians 4.13 this morning. I want you to notice, first of all, the attitude of our faith. The attitude of our faith, and this is important as we begin a new semester, I want you to see, first of all, the attitude of our faith is a positive attitude. Paul the Apostle says, I can. Would you say those two words with me, please? I I can. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Oh, what a tremendous blessing to hear from a man who reminds us that no matter what's going on, beatings, imprisonments, no matter what trials we might face, we can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth us. I remember many years ago having Dr. Lee Robertson preach for us on several occasions. Dr. Robertson's a very dignified man. And some of you, as you're getting into the ministry, rather than studying some of the humanistic and uh, woke ministries of the day, you would do yourself well to read the biographies of great men of the past, to read and study how God blessed in the lives of men like Moody and Spurgeon and even Dr. Lee Robertson. He would come to Lancaster Baptist Church always wearing that double-breasted suit. Brother uh, Toby Weaver attended college under Dr. Robertson and, and uh, saw firsthand the ministry there. Dr. Robertson would uh, challenge me in so many ways and he would tell me things like, you need to have many adult classes. You need to give the class is a name. Every class needs to have a name. And he talked to me about that. And he said, what's the name of this area? And I said, well, they call it the Antelope Valley. He said, are there antelope here? I said, no, sir, I've never seen one. <laughs> he said, but you ought to call your class the Antelope Valley Bible class. That's the class Dr. Rasmussen teaches today. And it was named by Dr. Lee Robertson. But one time Dr. Robertson said to me as we were driving down Lancaster Boulevard, he said, you know, he said, now, Brother Chapel, you need to pastor this community. You need to be the pastor of this community. And I remember when he said that, we were just running about 300, and I thought to myself, wow, well, I'd like to just be the pastor of our church. I wish some of them would listen to me. I, I wish I could be the pastor of my children. They don't always listen to me. And Dr. Robertson's telling me, be the pastor of the community. He said, put your picture on the brochure. He said, go out door knocking and meet everybody in the community. He said, there'll come a time, uh, even if they don't come to church right away, they'll put that track in the drawer. And when they have a trial, they're going to call you because they're going to remember the pastor that came by. And I'm here to tell you that some 37 years later, very little happens in this community that we're not aware of, that we're not a part of. Last night, uh, the police captain called and said, could you or someone from the church come to a meeting at three o'clock for the community leaders? Often, at least once or twice a month, the mayor will call, hey, Pastor Chapel, we're doing this, we're doing that. Oftentimes, I'll be in the mall, people that go to our church, people that have never been to our church, people that used to go to our church, hey, Hey, pastor. Hey, pastor. How's it going? Pastor the community. You know what Brother Robertson was teaching me? He was teaching me, you can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth you. He was teaching me not to settle, but to dream big for the Lord. Oh, how we need this today. We need to stop thinking and even implying to others that it can't be done. We need men like Dr. Robertson reminding us that it can be done, that there is a cause, that our God is able to uh, fulfill great and mighty things in our lives. And so I see this phrase, I can. 
It is a positive phrase. I see it. Secondly, it's a powerful phrase. Now notice it again. I can do. Let's say that together. I can do. Now that phrase is in the present tense and it speaks of God's continual divine enablement. Whether it's at work today, whether it's learning Greek, whether it's learning how to preach, whether uh, it's some other area, learning how uh, to pick and roll on the basketball team. That took me several years to learn that. But I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Divine enablement. You may be sitting here today and sometimes thinking, you know, I just don't know if I could, if I could preach. Some of you men have not uh, surrendered your life, perhaps, to missions or preaching. And, and, and part of it is because you just, you were told that you're worth that you maybe maybe you should settle for something else and maybe you're the guy that should just not preach but I want to tell you something with God's calling comes God's enabling and Paul is teaching that in this verse I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me and so we see he's not speaking here of some habit uh, that he developed he's speaking of an enablement that was given to him now what are some of the specific things that he had uh, a positive power uh, to accomplish? Well, first of all, he had uh, the ability through Christ to sustain during the times of burdens. Notice in verse 11, the Bible says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. Paul was a man who had learned to be content. He was a man that, though bound to a Roman soldier, could be content. You see, contentment is preeminently a Christian grace that comes to one who is a lover of the cross of Jesus Christ. And when you find yourself following Christ, and when you find yourself going through a difficult time, and you look to Christ, there will come a contentment into your spirit, and you will say, I can do this. If Jesus could die on the cross and love me so, I can do this. I can endure this trial and this difficulty. Paul in the Philippian jail did not complain. He did not say, why did I surrender my life to preach? He did not say, uh, why am I uh, doing this for Jesus? Acts 16, 23, and when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into the prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Hey, what are we going to hear from you this semester, complaining or praising? Where are the students that would say, I can do this through Christ? I can do all things through Christ. Blessed be the name, blessed be the name, blessed be the name of the Lord. Paul is telling us that, that he could be sustained through the burdens and he could be sustained through the abasement. He says in verse 12, I know how to be abased. That is to say, I know how to be brought low. I remember one time as I was here, maybe 10 days in Lancaster, and the first thing I did, we had a sign in front of the old church, and it said, of all things, it said, Antelope Valley Church Center. And the previous pastor, in order to kind of keep things going financially, had rented parts of the church out to two other churches, and then we had our church there. And so I detested that sign. I didn't want to pastor a church center. I wanted to pastor an independent Baptist church. And I wanted everybody to know 
that there's a Baptist church downtown preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. So one of the first things we did with our personal savings was we went to a sign shop and I had a church sign made, Lancaster Baptist Church. And I took the screws and I took the screws out and I threw that old Antelope Valley Church Center, put it in the garbage. I put that Baptist church sign up there. I stepped back and I said to my wife, Terry, I said, honey, they're going to know that a Baptist came to this town and that there's a Baptist soul winning church in this town. And I was excited about that sign. And I'll tell you what, we cleaned up our little room where I preached, and I put up a sound system in there. Now, that room where I preached would hold about 40 people, but bless God, I had a microphone and speakers. I was going to blow them out of there for Jesus, you know, and I was so excited to have a sound system, and I set, up a, I set up a little office downstairs in the nursery. I put my ordination certificate. By the way, because you attend West Coast Baptist College and take oral exams, you're going to find that you'll be better equipped to be ordained someday. And I was proud of that ordination certificate. And I had my college diploma there. I had everything all set up. And I'll tell you what, one night I came in for, from uh, soul winning and somebody had broken into the church and they had taken my ordination certificate, my diploma from college and crushed it on the ground and poured Kool-Aid on it. Another couple of nights later, someone had come in and stole my microphone and my speakers <laughs> And then to top it all off, some guy drove by one night, must have taken some large rocks, and just crushed the sign that said Lancaster Baptist Church. Now I'm telling you, eight or ten days into this, I just, I was feeling a little bit discouraged. I was feeling a little bit low and abased. I think I, I could explain it to say that I was probably a little depressed that at that particular time. But God was showing me that I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. And I'm telling you that sometimes you'll be abased and sometimes I wish I could lift every burden from you. But God often intends those burdens to teach us deep lessons that only come through the times of loneliness or trial or struggle. A ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. And sometimes we must be willing to pay the price in order to see great things done for God. This is what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 8. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of our Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. And I believe that by staying faithful in times of trial and by continuing to preach the gospel during difficulty, that people can see Jesus in us. And when they have a difficult time, they're going to call us. They're going to say, what's going on in your life? I need to learn something from you. Supreme Court Justice Antonio Scalia, before his death several years ago, said, Devout Christians are destined to be regarded as fools in modern society. That means that the culture around us sometimes is going to think that we're stupid because we follow the Word of God. And there will be churches that don't want to look stupid because we love self, and so they'll begin to look more and more like the world so the culture doesn't think that we're stupid. But somewhere along the line, there needs to be some Baptist men who say, listen, it's not about pleasing the world. It's about pleasing Christ. Amen. And I will stand for Jesus Christ. Amen. And if that means I'm abased at times, I'm willing to be abased 
in order to please Christ. The attitude of our faith, I can do. I can do. I'm simply saying to you that God wants us to begin this semester with this attitude. I can do. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. But notice, secondly, as we look at this little verse this morning, the action of our faith. Now, would you notice with me again, verse number 14, number 13, I can do all things. This is a verse that is applicable to various spiritual exercises and to the course of our life. Mark 10 and 27, and Jesus looking upon them saith, with men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. Would you say that with me? With God all things are possible. One more time. With God that means you can graduate. That means you can preach. That means you can teach. That means you can go to the mission field. That means you can raise the support. God can do it through you and for you. That means you can get a girlfriend. I know some of you are beginning to wonder. The girls are beginning to wonder. Brother Getch said we had mixed gender chapel the other day, which is fine. As long as we're not having transgender, that's, that's good. <laughs> but um, some of you are in the last semester of your senior year and haven't had your first date yet. I'm just saying this verse, is, you ought to claim this as your life verse. <laughs> I can do all things. Come on now. I can do all things through Christ. And by the way, including finding the right friends and including finding someone to be a partner in your life. God can do that. Dr. Tom Malone often said, when God is going to do something wonderful, he starts with the difficult. When God is going to do something miraculous, he starts with the impossible. And I want to tell you, you're not going to hear from this pulpit that you can't go to the Philippines, you can't go to China, you can't be a church planner in LA, you can't find the right person to marry, you can't uh, pass this class, or you can't do this or that. What you're going to hear from this pulpit is, you can do it all through Jesus Christ. If it brings glory and honor to him, he'll help you. If it's something he's putting into your heart as a burden, as a, as a passion that will bring glory to him, Christ will enable you. And so I'm saying here, the action of our faith, notice first of all, we can reach souls. I want to tell you a few things that we can do for the Lord and by his grace. We can reach souls. Now the Holy Spirit must do the act of regeneration. The Holy Spirit will draw all men unto Christ. We understand that. But God can use you to be his witness. Bible college students ought to carry gospel tracts. Don't go to Michael's Warehouse or Walmart or wherever you are and try to blend in with the crowd. Go ahead and stand out for Jesus. I remember when I worked at Shepherd Machinery. It was a Caterpillar tractor company. I'd go in there and I worked the swing shift 3 to 12. And uh, they found out I was a Bible college student. They, they started making fun of me. They called me preacher. They called me deacon. I was 19 years old, just a newly married man. Just a young Bible college student. And I'd walk into that warehouse, and some of those men, they would cuss. They'd throw in extra words because they knew I was a Bible college student. I was going to be a preacher. I, I figured out right away, there's no, look it. There's no sense trying to fake it. You might as well just be the Christian God called you to be there. Amen. Yes. I said, well, they're going to call me the preacher. I might as well give them some. Amen. Amen. 
I carry gospel tracts in my pocket. Hey, there's the young preacher, blankety, blank, blank, blank. I'd say, you know, Bill, you're exactly right. I'm trained to be a preacher. Not a real good one yet, but I got some stuff here I wrote down. It's called a gospel track here. You, you take it. You need to read this because someday you're going to face the Lord. Amen. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what surprises those people where you work? It's when you don't witness. You mean you go to Bible college and you're not going to tell me about Jesus? You see, you can do it through Christ. You can reach souls. I think of Acts 16 again in verse 14. There was a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the sea of Thyatira, which worshiped God and heard us, Paul said, whose heart the Lord opened. Listen, it's not your persuasiveness. It's the fact that when Paul was at Philippi, the Lord opened the heart of Lydia, the businesswoman, and she became a Christian. And oh, what a wonderful truth that God can and will open hearts. We can reach souls, I'm telling you. Listen, we can plant churches through Christ. It can be done. The Los Angeles Baptist Church is running several hundred every week in Los Angeles today. Why? Because a group of West Coast Baptist College students began going to a neighborhood in L.A. on Saturdays, knocking doors, knocking doors, winning people to Christ, winning people to Christ, until finally one of those young men began to preach, until finally one of our deacons went down and became the pastor. And now, 20 years later, he's still preaching the Word of God. I'm telling you, churches were planted in the New Testament, in Perga and Antioch and Iconium and Lystra and Derby and throughout Asia Minor. And there is a great need for church planting here in California. Listen, Brother Smith, he's helping me with California for Christ. We're raising money. I'm going to Northern California in a few months to get pastors to support and to, to offer to be a mentor and to help. All we need are some young men to say, here am I, Lord, send me. It's not that it can't be done. It's that you won't let it be done. It's not that souls can't be saved. It's that some of you never pass a track. You never witness. It's not that a church can't be planted. It's that very few of you are intending to plant a church. It's not that we could not have another Rick Martin establishing 1,500 churches in the Philippines. It's that some of you are going to be content to go back to Georgia to be by your wife's mother when God wants you in Europe planting churches for the glory of God. It's not that you can't do it. It's that you won't do it. You can do anything God calls you to do and for his glory, but somebody's got to come to an old-fashioned altar today and say, Here, my Lord. Some of you are from cities where there's a dozen and two dozen. Listen, there are some cities in America with 300,000 people and 300 Baptist churches. Why would you go to a place like that when there are cities that have not one Baptist church? Souls can be saved and churches can still be planted. Oh, listen, I'm challenging you today that God gives to us in this simple verse hope that it still can be done. The attitude of our faith, I can do. The action of our faith, I can do all things. Oh, I think of Sally McWaters, a young lady in my college. Sally was a godly woman. She may have dated, I don't know. She never married. My friend, Brother Ed Bordell, he married Norma. 
Brother Bordell, 30 years ago, went down to, 35 years ago, went down to Costa Rica to, to start churches, and he has started several. Sally went to Costa Rica not to plant churches, but she started an orphanage. She said, I, I can't be a pastor, but I can, I believe God could use me to, to reach the homeless, the, the destitute, the, the, the babies that are dropped off at the hospital steps. Sally McWater started that orphanage. Every Sunday morning, Brother Bordell or the national pastor stands to preach. They have a beautiful auditorium in San Jose, Costa Rica. I'd say about a third the size of this, large. Every Sunday morning, Sally McWater comes with her bus of children. They get off the bus, neat, clean. They walk into that church. They sit in their reserved area. They hear the preaching of the Word of God. Many of them have become pastors and deacons and soul winners because of a young woman who said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I don't know what it is that God will put on your heart, but I want to be that Bible college president. I want to be that pastor. I want to be that encouragement to say, yes, you can do it. God can help you. You can do it. I think of one of the young ladies graduated from our uh, Bible college who, who, who went over to Indonesia, the most uh, Muslim country in the world, to be a part of gospel ministry there, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And some may have thought it couldn't be done, but it's being done because Jesus is doing it through her life. The attitude is, I can, and the action is, I can do all things. Notice the access of our faith. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Now, how does this happen? We know the Bible teaches in 2 Corinthians 12 that his grace is sufficient for us. We know that, that God wants us to have access to this grace and to this strength. But I want, you, I want to remind you of how to how to access the supernatural enabling power of God in your life. How many of you want God's power upon your life? How many of you want to see more done in your life than you can do? You want to be able to someday step back and go, this is God, right? How does that happen? Well, let me give you a few thoughts as we close. First, it is through his blood that we are redeemed. Now that's where it begins, isn't it? It begins with salvation. 1 Peter 1.18, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by the tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Thank God for the blood that was shed. Thank God for salvation by grace through faith. That is the beginning of our relationship with God when someone accepts Jesus Christ as their Savior, when someone recognizes their sinful condition. And I so appreciated the message last night. We live in a day when oftentimes the term gospel is used in a very self-centered way. We live in a day when people talk about the gospel in a commercialized type of a way. And certainly the gospel has much to say and it has many implications within the life of a believer. But may I say to you today that the gospel is first of all about God, and it is first and foremost about the wrath of God. It is about the wrath of God being his righteous demands, being met by the finished work of the cross, 
And the work of the cross has as much effect on God in the sense of meeting the righteous demands of God as it does on us in the sense of the imputation of righteousness that we receive when we are saved. All that to say, the gospel is not just about making me have a happier life, a better financial life, a better dating life, a better this, a better that for me. It has much to do with meeting the righteous demands of an almighty God. Because before you were saved, before I was saved, we were separated far from God. Uh, there was a great gulf between us. And thank God, Jesus Christ met that need in our life. And the gulf has been crossed because of the grace of God on our behalf. The blood. As Brother Getch said last night, God has provided, what did he say? Himself a lamb. The gospel must never be just all about our happiness. It is first and foremost about his holiness. A holy God cannot be righteous in letting sinners to heaven unless there's an atonement made and the atonement was made by Jesus Christ. So the access we have to the supernatural is by way of the cross of Jesus Christ. If you're saved then, you are a candidate for this verse, I can do all things through Christ, because you cannot say that unless Christ is living in you, but if he is living in you, then you can do all things through Christ. That's the beginning point, is knowing that the wrath of God is no longer upon you. By the way, how many of you know the wrath of God is upon this lost world? Somebody say amen to that. It's the honest truth. It is through the blood of Christ that we're redeemed. Secondly, it is through the word of God that we are furnished. The God that redeems us wants to furnish us. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. We understand that. It is the word of God that uh, pierces the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. It is the word of God that is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So that is to say that a 19-year-old young man who works on the bus ministry, uh, who has the opportunity to stand and preach on the bus, maybe on the way home, who's uh, maybe new to this and just getting going, but who, who rightly takes a, a portion of scripture and, and properly explains that portion of scripture. That is to say that a nervous young 18, 19 year old who stands and does his best and humbly before the Lord shares the word of God. That is to say, you can see souls saved, even though you may not feel like you're totally adequate for it all because it's not about you. It's about the power of the word of God. A lot of times, Brother Getch, I don't know if, you know, how, how you do or how, you, how you've done over the years, but sometimes after a, after a sermon, I'll go home and I'll think, that was the worst sermon I ever preached. <laughs> and uh, it's even worse when your kids agree. You know what I'm saying? It's just, that stinks, you know? Preacher's kids are the worst on that, you know? But one thing I always take consolation in the, is in this. And I know Dr. Getch whether he thinks this way or not, could take consolation in this fact. That in a given sermon, like the one I'm preaching to you right now, there will be 20 to 30 verses quoted and properly interpreted. And so if my words aren't what they could have been, and if my illustrations, if my jokes fall completely flat, God's word is always going to do a work that I cannot do. I can do all things through Christ 
which strengtheneth me. I'm redeemed by his blood. I'm empowered by his word. I'm furnished by his word. And men do not reject the Bible because it contradicts itself. They reject the Bible because it contradicts them. I was talking to a young man the other day, a um, young man that actually had spent a little time here at West Coast. And his parents are burdened for him. He's not in our church. And he says, ah, I'm just kind of got burnt out on church, you know. I'm just tired of the hypocrites, the legalism. <laughs> and I said, I'm going I'm to say something to you, and I'm going to say it in love. You're not tired of the hypocrites and the legalism. You're in love with your sin. See, when a man begins to love his pornography, he can find all kinds of hypocrites in the church. When a man, be, when a man decides he's not going to tithe, or a man decides he wants to live with his girlfriend and just kind of shack up, you got to find something wrong with the church. what we need to understand today is there's no problem with the Word of God when it tells us to go to church or forgive one another or when it tells us how to live. The problem is normally with our heart not being willing to obey God. But until we follow the Word of God, we'll not be furnished. God, they say, see, someone says, I, I want to see God do all things through my life. I, I want God to enable me. I want to see souls saved. I want to see uh, someday uh, the opportunity to preach or teach or, or build a great work for God. Well, first it is through His blood we're redeemed, and then it will be through His Word that we are furnished. And that's why we have this Bible college, and we're not ashamed to call it a Bible college. We're trying to furnish you with the only truth that really matters, the Word of God. Amen. And then thirdly, it is through his church that we are authorized. It is through his church that we are authorized. I've been reading in my devotions the book of Matthew this week. And um, Matthew 18 gives us a picture of church discipline. Matthew 18, 17, and if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a, as a heathen and as a publican. It's, it's a great study. It is to say that if someone offends you in the church, then you should go to them. Or if they're offending the body through their sin, you should go to them with one person, if you're aware of the sin. If they don't hear you, you can go with another person. Uh, if they're living in sin, open immorality, for example, and they're not hearing one or two, you can bring it to the whole church. We've done that a time or two here, not many times. Normally, after the visit with one or the visit with two, people either get right with God or they leave town, is what I've found. But Matthew 18 teaches us that God doesn't have a higher authority than the local church. God says, if they won't hear the church, they're not going to hear anybody. As an independent Baptist, we do not necessarily believe in the necessity of denominations or even the authority of denominations. We believe in the autonomy and the authority of the local New Testament church. And when it comes to carrying out the Great Commission, you need to be saved, which means you have the presence of the Holy Spirit. You need to be furnished through the Word of God, and you need to be sent by the local New Testament church working with and through and by the local church. 
I think of Acts 13. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Menaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said unto them, separate unto me for, uh, Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. That is to say, the first missionaries, Barnabas and Saul, were sent out not by a denomination, not even by a mission board. They were sent out by a church, a body of believers that gathered around them and prayed for them and sent them out. And someday some of you will be ordained in a local New Testament church. And they're going to question you about your doctrine and don't get two years into the ministry and get on some website of some humanistic woke guy and then deny every doctrine you said you believe when you got ordained. Figure out what you believe and stick with it. If it's in the Word of God, never compromise the Word of God. The church, the church is God's organization for ministry. There are many enemies of the church today. And you must determine as a Bible college student to love what Jesus loves. And Jesus loves the church to be involved in the church and to do his work. Richard Clearwaters wrote in his little booklet on the New Testament church, 111 of the 117 usages of the word church are referring to the local New Testament church. You'd be surprised how many Bible college professors teach Monday through Friday at a Bible college and don't even darken the door of a church on Sunday. I wouldn't have someone like that work here. We ought to love what Jesus loves. Jesus loves the church. And oh, if we're going to do all things through Christ, it's got to be according to his plan, through his spirit, through his word, through his church. One author wrote of the church, is the church ours to reinvent or is it God's? I got a brochure in the mail years ago. And someone was having a conference. And believe me, conferences are a dime a dozen and highly overrated. And the name of the conference was Reinventing Church. And I thought to myself, why do we reinvent what God invented? Hey, if God invented it, we don't need to reinvent it. The author said, is it ours to reinvent or is it God's? Does the head of the church have anything to say? Or do the consultants have the last word? Was the church first invented by a previous generation so that it is our job to do it again? Or is the church's real need for the, for, for the revival and reformation that can only come from God? We don't need to reinvent church. We don't need to reinvent uh, what the Bible says. If we're going to do all things through Christ, then we must do it through his word, through his spirit, and through his church. And oh, how we need men today who will love the church and strengthen the church and not not try to change the doctrine of the church. To stand true to the fundamentals of our faith. I was talking to Brother England and Brother Getch this past week about this, uh, I don't even know if he would call him new evangelical, liberal pastor in Georgia, Andy Stanley. Beginning softer and softer over the years. Now he's just recently on video saying, you can be homosexual uh, and, and be a member of a church. Now, let's just back up for just one second. The basic definition of the member of the Baptist church is this, saved, baptized, all right? What are the two qualifications of being a member of church? Saved, baptized. Baptist church. You got to be saved. You got to be baptized. Just a cursory reading of 1 John 
would help even a new Christian to understand that someone that is living continuously over a period of years in unbroken, unrepentant sin is likely not truly converted. There's no such thing as someone that lives a pattern of life over years and then we're going to say that they're saved. By the way, I'm not just picking on someone who's homosexual. Same can be said for someone who's living in adultery. Same can be said for someone who's doing other types of sin. The fact of the matter, it's not the job of the church to acquiesce to the sinful culture. It's the job of the church to be the pillar and the ground of the truth. And we don't need men coming out of Baptist Bible colleges compromising with the world. We must stand for the truth of the Word of God. Oh, we need strong churches today, and we must work through the church. It is through the blood that we're redeemed. It is through the word that we're furnished. It is through the church that we are authorized. Fourthly, it is through his spirit that we are empowered. It is through his spirit that we are empowered. He says in this verse 13, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me, which strengtheneth me. The inner strengthening of the believer comes through Christ and through the Holy Spirit. John 14, 16, I will pray the Father and he will give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Charles Spurgeon said, without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are as ships without wind, branches without sap, like coals without fire. We are useless without the Spirit of God. This is what Paul meant when he said, though the outward man perisheth, the inward man is renewed day by day. I'm not going to tell you that you're not going to get tired this semester. I'm not going to tell you that you won't get tired out on a mission field or serving as a youth pastor or a school teacher. There will be tiresome days. There'll be days when you don't feel like going soul winning and some of the other staff won't go soul winning. But when the Spirit of God is living within you, He's going to help you and burden you and lead you along the way to do the right thing. He'll renew your spirit. I remember hearing Dr. Curtis Hudson preach some years ago. And in this particular message, I've mentioned three men, Dr. Lee Robertson, Dr. Tom Malone, Dr. Curtis Hudson. None of them were absolutely perfect. I'm certainly not perfect. But I'll tell you something, young people, and listen to me very carefully. I get weary of the cynical, sarcastic people that constantly disparage Christian leadership. I'm just going to give you a little hint. There have been imperfect leaders and sinful leaders in the ranks of the independent Baptists. Does that mean we're going to throw the baby out with the bathwater? I see sometimes young men, oh, well, I'll tell you what, that independent Baptist leader, look what they did. Well, I'm just going to go join this convention. And they join a convention full of pedophiles. There's no perfect group. Not the independent Baptist, not the Southern Baptist. There is no perfect group. But let me tell you something. There is a perfect Savior. And I'll tell you something else. There have been some men who paid the price. Listen to me. Independent Baptist men who came out of liberal denominations that were questioning inerrancy. Today, the Southern Baptists are, are beginning to teach that you can have women pastors and, and that you can drink, and they're getting into social justice theology, and there's a whole new group of men that are leaving that denomination for things of this nature. But listen to me. 
When I look to the past, I don't celebrate the life of some fallen leader that fell into sin. That stinks. But when I think of someone like Lee Robertson, who lived a pure life, who baptized 60,000 people, I can say praise the Lord for that. Tom Malone, one of the most educated men in the fundamental Baptist history. Listen, I can say thank the Lord for his soul-winning leadership. Dr. Curtis Hudson, one of my mentors, I'm not going to write him off. A man who finished his race so well. A great soul-winning pastor. I remember hearing Dr. Hudson at the, at the uh, Southwide Baptist Fellowship in uh, Tennessee back in maybe 1994, 95. He'd come down with cancer. He was 62, very young. And I went to hear him preach. He preached an amazing message entitled, Things That Are Different Are Not the Same. And he, he preached about things like soul winning is not the same as lifestyle evangelism. And he explained the difference. It was a great message. Dr. Hudson, when he preached for me in years prior to that, he was a very strong physical man. He used to be a, a weightlifting champion. But now as he stood behind that pulpit there, he weighed 77 pounds. I remember after church, myself and a few others gotten the coach that had brought him to the meeting and he said, Paul, we're going to go to Waffle House. He said, I've been drinking carrot juice for the last six months. It hasn't helped a thing. I'm going to go have some bacon and eggs. <laughs> he weighed 77 pounds. He preached that message with such power that night. Afterwards, he just started singing. He sang two songs that I remember. He sang the song, I'm on the winning side. And then he sang, there is a fountain filled with blood. And what I saw that night was not a demonstration in eloquence of speech or physicality and power. What I saw that night was a demonstration of a man full of the Holy Spirit of God. I saw a man living what I'm preaching to you right now. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Dr. Hudson wrote one letter of recommendation for a Bible college. One. That was for West Coast Baptist College. It's in my office today, in a special book. I remember what he told me, Brother Gatch. He said, Brother Chapel, you need to do it. We need it. He said, but keep the church strong. Keep the church strong. He, until his last breath, lived in the power of the Spirit of God. And without the divine enablement of the Holy Spirit, none of us would be here right now. What I want you to understand from this little verse is that you can do all things through Christ. You can. You can. You can be a soul winner. You can be a preacher. You, you can be a preacher's wife. You, you can be a Christian school teacher. You, you can see God provide the finances. You can raise support. You, you can get to the mission field. You can do all things through Christ. It's not that you can't. It's that many of you won't. Amen. Well, if this doesn't work out, I'm going to be a physical therapist. If this doesn't work out, I'm going to learn. I'll, I'll go back and be a mechanic. 
I, I, I have some friends there somewhere it looks a little funner, a little, a little less rules. Look at, get your eyes off all of that and decide. Look at, I'm in a place that has a local church and the Word of God, and they're challenging me to be used of God. That's why you're here today, students. That's all that's going to matter is, are you used of God with your life? I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. What is it that God wants to do through your life? Never let the devil tell you that it can't be done. If God before us, then who can be against us? God is for you. God is telling us that you can do his work through his strength, through his spirit, through his word, through his church. The question is, will you? It's not a matter of can and can't. It's a matter of will and won't. Will you let God use your life?